Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, January 24th, 2021. We are continuing our Dialing In series with this sermon entitled, Dialing In Discernment, Knowing Yourself. Somebody say, know yourself. Know Know yourself. yourself. See, we have a new president, but we have the same monarch of the universe. Presidents may come and go while the kingship of Jesus, the son of David and the son of God endures forever. Lately, our national discourse has revived, it's perpetuated, it's even propagated issues that the Bible definitively definitively settled in the first chapter, as Moses wrote it some 3,500 years ago. Here's an excerpt from our inaugural address that took place last Wednesday. A cry for racial justice, some 400 years in the making, moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. A cry for survival comes from the planet itself. A cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. And now, a rise in political extremism. White supremacy. Wow, those whiteies. Mm -hmm. Domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. To overcome these challenges, to restore the soul, and to secure the future of America requires more than words. These times, they require you to know the Father. They require you to know yourself. They require you to know who you are in Christ. This is the only way that you'll be able to dial in your discernment. Consider just a few of the old demonic barbs or instigations in the excerpt from the leader of the free world. While 25,000 troops were present and barricades prominently featured in our capital, our leaders would have us to believe that our largest problems still revolve around political extremism, particularly white supremacy, because we're all overrun with white supremacy, and racial inequity. Genesis 1 teaches us that all men are created in the image of God. Very first chapter. In other words... We have the exact same moral qualities from birth, and that was by God's design. The shading of our skin has zero effect on the moral quality of a human being. Every human being is created in the image of God. But what we do with that image is an entirely and a wholly different matter. See, the choices that we make reflect the embracing or the denial of God's image in our design. Church, this is so clear that these are times that we must dial in our discernment. Very true. Look, by the sixth chapter of Genesis, it is abundantly clear that every human being on earth today is of only one race, the human race. Each of us have Ham, Shem, and Japheth as our fathers. Simply put, Children can have blonde hair, they can have red hair, they can have blue eyes, they can have brown eyes, and share the exact same parentage. It's true in my house. (laughs) Every human being on the planet today is of that same exact family, Noah's family. We are biblically speaking of, by definition, not different races any more than two brothers that have different colors of eyes. The divisive demonic powers, they'll try to obfuscate this point. And there's a reason. It's to avoid looking at responsibility of every individual to make good moral choices. And it's done, those good moral choices are done by God's design because he put his image within you and the whole human family shares that. The entire issue is a red herring. It's designed by the enemy to create justifications for sinful behavior. And that's true on every side of the equation. See, church, if Genesis doesn't settle this issue for you beyond all contestation, it may be because your discernment has yet to be dialed in. But we're going to help you to do that. And certainly, if Genesis didn't do it, then the book of Ephesians should. We are one new man in Christ. That's what the word tells us. The only difference is left in the human race have to do with being in Christ or being outside of Christ. That's the only thing that matters. All other differences are ancillary. They're irrelevant. They're a distraction from the need to return to the image of the creator that is actually exemplified in Christ. Amen. 
Look, while our leaders try hard to stoke the fires of racial tensions, we're grounded in the biblical truth that the entire race's argument is a false construct designed by nature to cause division. The speech went on to quote the Emancipation Proclamation of 1862 in an obvious effort to equate our times with the dark days of the Civil War. The real war in question yeah. is not between the North and South or those endowed with pigmentation or devoid of it. That could be me at any point in time of the year. No, we want to make it clear this morning that the real war, the one you are being distracted from, is the war within every man to either embrace the image of God within his design or to deny it altogether. This morning, that is the war that we will wage yeah. and we will win. Amen. Amen. We're going to dial in our discernment in these dark days by knowing the Father and thus knowing ourselves. Let's turn to Genesis 47. Say, dial in when you get there. We're going to be looking at Genesis 47, and we're going to begin in the first verse. It says this. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers, with their flocks and herds and everything they own, have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. Somebody say Goshen. Goshen. See, you remember from our last service that Joseph's family was finding the directions to Goshen. They were looking for this way and the path that God had for them. You'll remember that Joseph had a clear understanding. He had a clear knowledge of who Pharaoh was, of what Pharaoh thought, of what he would say, and how he would treat Joseph's family. He predicted it, and you're seeing it come to fruition right here in this passage. See, having known the Father was what we learned from this passage earlier. Having known the Father, this family was able to dial in their discernment, and they reached a very, very special place called Goshen, where they were going to be able to flourish and thrive even in the midst of dark days of famine. Amen. Let's pick up in verse 2 and see how this progresses. He chose five. Everybody say five. Five. Five, five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, what is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. I want you to notice here, these brothers who could be identified by many things in their past, yeah. <laughs> their traitorous behavior to Joseph, their murderous dealings at Shechem, now five of them. A number here that represents the grace and transformation that has occurred in their very lives. They are now standing before Pharaoh, and with their brother Joseph, they answer an important question from Pharaoh. When Pharaoh asked, who are you? So look, because they know their father, they know who they are. They know their function. They are servants and they are shepherds. The next step in dialing in discernment is to have a clear understanding of who you are. Verse 4, they also said to him, we have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now, please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Look, their attitude in this passage is, I'm not sure how long we're going to be here, but because we know the Father and we know who we are, we have dialed into discernment and we're going to ask you for what we need during the famine. Amen. And they get it. This allows the exalted ruler of the land to settle them in the best part of the land. Amen. They know who they are and they know what they're supposed to do. More than that, Pharaoh notices those with special ability, and he puts them in his service. Special ability there is ish chayil. This is men of power, men of greatness. See, those who know the Father and they know themselves, 
They're men who not only dial in their discernment, but they begin to display special abilities in their deeds, a distinction. I'm just going to sidetrack here for a moment based on our social situations. I'm going to suggest to you that the differences between us have nothing to do with your country of origin. They have nothing to do with pigmentation in your skin. They have everything to do with whether or not you know the father and whether or not you had a father. Those two factors are everything. While we're considering this, I want you to consider that Joseph brought his father in and presented his father to Pharaoh. That's because Joseph knew his father. Joseph knew himself and was able to present his father to the leader of the world. There is a securing that is supposed to happen by you knowing your father. I'm speaking both spiritually and naturally. And then something else happens. Jacob. Jacob, who we know is Israel and his name means prince with God. He knew his father as well as he knew himself. And so what does he do in the presence of Pharaoh? He blesses him. The book of Hebrews makes the point that the greater blesses the lesser. Jacob has just arrived on the scene, and he's able to bless the man who seems to be the ruler of the world, all because he knew who his father was, and he knew who he is. I would like you to just consider one more thing about it, because we're not preaching about it today. Think of the eschatological implications that are going on here. Joseph the abandoned son, now risen to the great throne and power of Egypt, is able to bring his father into contact with the Pharaoh to bless him. This is the Jewish Messiah that brings us into contact with his father, and it results in a blessing. Knowing the father and knowing your identity in Christ are everything. Amen. Somebody say that's good. That's good. See, church, we are dialing in our discernment. We know the Father and we know ourselves. See, in these dark days, the most important thing that we can do is to take stock of the differences. I mean, I don't mean the differences of our skin color. That's of no consequence whatsoever. No, we must take stock of the differences between the state of our own actions and the actions of the Father. This will allow us to discern what must be done in us. This will allow us to discern, to discern what we must do in the world around us. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Look, Jeremiah emphasized the truth in these words. Let's all turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. We'll start in verse 23. See, dialed in when you get there. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength. Or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this. That he understands and knows me. Amen. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will punish all who are circumcised only in the flesh. Look, those that are leading our nation... And those that are being led by this world's thoughts and ideologies, they're corrupt. There are sinful, thick layers of selfish ambition, avoidance of accountability for personal actions, and justification based on perceived victim status, covering the image of God in their hearts. It's, it's obvious. To be able to see clearly, to be able to discern our times so that we know what we should do, is going to require the circumcision away from our hearts, any thoughts, any actions that were not derived from our knowledge of the Father. Church, you have to know your Father, and you must know who you are. That is so that you can circumcise the differences away and become a blessing to the world around you. That is the goal of this. See, the Apostle Paul quotes these concepts from Jeremiah with astounding frequency. Let's all turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse 27. Say, dialed in when you get there. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. 
and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. Amen. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Look, the world around us has nothing to boast about in God's eyes. They propagate the very problems they pretend to be resolving. Well, Pastor, you should probably say that again. I want that to sink in for everybody. They propagate the very problems that they pretend to be resolving. Look, they are uncircumcised in their very own hearts, and they are estranged from Christ himself. Their wisdom does not come from above, but it is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is demonic, as the book of James details it. Our wisdom must come from Christ. It must come from knowing the Father and knowing ourselves so that we can continuously circumcise our hearts to reflect the Father. Not Fox News, not CNN, the Father. Right now, our national discourse is trying to tell you what to talk about and what to think about. And it is so obviously a demonic distraction, we're going to have to dial in to the Father and dial in to what must change inside of us. See, we need to take a look at what Paul and how he addresses this very situation in the book of Colossians. Everybody turn to Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 2. Colossians 2, 2. It says this, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Oh, my goodness. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. See, a complete discernment is only found in knowing the Father and knowing yourself so that you can cut away those thoughts, those attitudes, and those actions that are not representative of the image of God himself. Look, these eloquent speeches, these fine-sounding arguments, they're actually dangerous. They play on the base sinful nature and create or deepen the divisions that they pretend to be curing. Look, Paul continues in Colossians. We'll pick up in the 8th verse. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of man, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Knowing the Father and knowing yourself causes us to come to the altar of circumcision, the place of crucifixion, and throw off what does not belong at the feet of Christ. See, the real differences in the world around us all relate to whether men are circumcised in their hearts or still governed by the thickness of the sinful nature, snuffing out the very image of God in their life. That is the difference. Man. Look, as we move forward to explore this concept further, consider what Paul wrote to the Ephesians concerning the only real divisions in the world. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. See, in in thinking about that verse, 
Paul is reflecting now that he knows the Father well on what he was and what he is becoming. All of us, by nature, were objects of wrath because of the uncircumcision of our hearts. The real division in humanity has nothing to do with the things that our political system talks about. It has everything to do with whether you are a fleshly creature driven by your sinful desires or whether that's being circumcised away from you. It all starts with knowing the Father and moves to knowing yourself. Take a look at verse 10 as this continues on. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Can anybody identify with these verses? Are you able to know yourself enough to see where you were? But look at the next verse. Let that settle on you for a minute. Let's just say for a moment that we would like American Idol contestants all sat around and told the saddest story about our births and how disadvantaged we were so that when we stood up and couldn't sing, you would kind of adjust it on a curve. I mean, because that's the national contest right now is who is the bigger victim. So let's work on this. Does it get any worse than being without God and without hope in the world? That's what all of us were. That's what every human being is. But then he moves to verse 13. Verse 13 says, but now. Yeah. But now. Yes. But now. But in, now. <laughs> in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near yes. through the blood of Christ. Yes. What an incredible understanding. That should fill your soul with the hope because you've been filled with God. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far, but now you've been made close. It goes on to say in verse 14, for he himself is our shalom. Come on. Yes. He is our right order. Amen. Who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier. (laughs) The barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He already broke the glass ceiling. He He already tore down the wall. He already settled the inequities. Unless you're still standing outside of him. He's already fixed everything that you could look at and call yourself a victim of. Because it was all you being a victim of the sinful nature. And he's broken that barrier. He's destroyed it. He tore it down, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. Listen to his purpose. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. What an incredible picture. See, our world is trying to tell us that there's these problems with different races, but we have no idea, and we just say there's one gender. We've got it all backwards. There are clearly two genders of male and female, and there's only one race, the human race. Yes. Whether you are in and have allowed that dividing wall of hostility in your own heart to be broken in Christ through the blood of Christ is the distinguishing mark. See, the world is really only divided into those who are circumcised in heart and those who are not. The world is divided into those who are in Christ and those who are not. The world is divided into those who are returning to the image of the creator and their design in Christ or those who are not. The ones that aren't are still being governed by the unregenerate nature and they're following the basic principles of this world. Color has nothing to do with the equation. We are either in the family of God sharing one father or we are not in the family of God. We're in the world and the devil is your father. Wow. Church, to dial in our discernment, we will have to know the father and know ourselves. We will have to circumcise away anything that does not belong to the Father, and therefore it should not belong to us. Look, to dial in our sermon, knowing the Father, knowing ourselves better, well, we can't go to a better book and chapter. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, 
We're going to start in verse 1. Would you have ever guessed that Matthew <laughs> Pero would go to Romans 12? Bring it, baby. I'm getting to know myself better here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. Then. then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Look, we want to start off by illustrating to you the phrase in view of God's mercy. It refers to the mercy seat of the ark within the tabernacle pattern. When we're talking about knowing yourself, we mean knowing what you must be placed as a living sacrifice on the altar, one that is holy and pleasing at the labor as well. Yeah, so, did y'all catch that? So verse 2 defines how the living sacrifice is offered. In fact, it's knowing how to resist conformity with the pattern of this world, how to die to those things so that you can experience transformation that comes from your experience at the labor where the spirit actually renews the very nature of God's image inside of you. We're drawing your attention to these things because the world is always pressing upon you to think and act in a demonic and unspiritual manner. Yeah. And we hear the language being adopted by the churches around us. It is sick and it is sinful. It is divisive while speaking about unity. The only thing that unifies human beings is when we come into the image of the creator in Christ. That is so good. See, this knowing the Father and knowing yourself leads us to his good, pleasing, Ooh, yeah. and perfect will. Talk yes. about dialing in your discernment. See, you are able to know the pleasing will of God, which, which when you look up that meaning, it talks about that which God wills. Somebody say, God wills it. God wills it. See, you're able to understand that good part of that, what God wills and what he is wanting for you and recognizes. You're able to know the end goal, the complete the full will of God that is lacking in nothing. Somebody say dialing in discernment. Dialing in discernment. Look, let's go further into Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to pick up with verse 10. Say dialed in when you get there. And find out what pleases the Lord. <laughs> That's, that in and of itself <laughs> is worth thinking about because that's what the whole sermon series is about <laughs> i'm going to give you a hint you you will not find it out in an inaugural address no, <laughs> no when, when i look at this phrase i hear get thyself dialed in yes. <laughs> and find out what pleases the lord have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Yes. Amen. We need yes. to wake up to our times. Yes. Amen. We got to wake up. These are dark days, but we have to wake up to the will of God. Yeah. Amen. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. They are dark. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Look, dialing and discernment starts with knowing what pleases the Lord, knowing the Father better. As we are dialing in, this immediately requires us to then know ourselves, take stock of ourselves. So that starting with fruitless deeds of darkness, you crucify them. You circumcise them away from your heart. In fact, you drag them into the light so that you can see them and eliminate Amen. them. A man that doesn't know himself doesn't know what he needs to repent from. Knowing the Father allows you to see you in the light of the Father and ask for change. Repent. Yes. Uh, circumcise. Yes crucify 
This is a part of the tabernacle process. See, and as we do this, our entire life, God's direction and our part in it becomes illuminated to us. We rise from our sleep as the brilliance of his will shines on us, and therefore we are able to live wisely. We take advantage of every opportunity because we're reflecting his light in these dark and evil days. Church, this is the epitome of us understanding what the Lord's will is and having his image renewed in our very lives. Amen. Look, dial in with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 1. Oh, we're going to have to wait on you. We, we, uh, that, uh, that doesn't sound like a war cry. That doesn't sound like you found the coordinates to save your sinful soul. Yes. Yes, that's so much better than the one with the question mark on the end. Dialed in. Dialed in. Dialed in. I am grouped. Therefore, rid yourselves. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up. Everybody say grow up. Grow up. Grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's talk rid yourselves for just a minute. Notice that the things that you're getting rid of in this verse begin in the heart, but tend to be expressed with your mouth. See, it's impossible to taste and see that the Lord is good while you have a mouthful of deceit, hypocrisy, evil, or slander. Dialing in your discernment always begins with putting something off or away so that you can replace it with something from the Father. This is the altar in the tabernacle complex. You know the greatness of God, so you enter the gates of praise. You immediately come to the altar where you're forced to look at the difference between you and Him and cut it away circumcise the heart deuteronomy and jeremiah said these important steps don't stop there the next step is dialing in our, our discernment also requires that we crave like a baby craves its next meal from its mother you must crave the purity of the spiritual sustenance so that you can grow up grow up or as pastor treaster would say growed up you got to get growed up See, the immature lack the desire and the ability to dial in their discernment, but the goal is to mature and grow up. How do you do that? Once you've been drawn to the greatness of God, that causes you to immediately begin to look at yourself and see the disparity between the two. And then you stand up and you go and you get your image renewed at the labor. You understand not just what you must take off and circumcise away, but what you really are, what he has made you to be, and the way that he views you. That's what happens here. See, your desires can be pure and childlike, but your discernment must grow up and mature in every way. When you are thinking about the altar and the labor as it relates to discernment, understand something is happening. It's one thing to know how great God is and be drawn to him. It's another level of discernment to know what needs to change in you. But it's yet a further click on the dial when you look into that labor and you now know what he has called you to be and you are becoming. This is why the brothers in Genesis 47 didn't say, when Pharaoh says, what is your occupation? Liars. What is your occupation? Well, we murder people when we're in Shechem. What is your occupation? They said, we, your servants, are shepherds like our father. Now, we won't go into this today, but only five of them were there. Maybe that's because although there were 12 tribes, seven of them did not yet know themselves. They were still identifying themselves by the old behavior. We'll let you figure that out. But I know in the body of Christ, to dial in our discernment, we must know who the Father is, but it's more than that. You compare, you contrast, you go, oh, this part of me has to die. And then you stand up and renew the image of God in you at the labor. The altar's at your back, and you know your Father, and you now know who your Father says you are. 
then you will not fall prey to the political discussions happening, working at dividing yes. every one of us based on country, based on language, based on skin tone, based on whether or not you use certain pronouns. This is ridiculous. It's demonic. And we better tune in to the presence of God. Amen. Well, we have now a clear understanding of how we dial in our discernment. But now that you have rid yourself of every kind of impurity and you then crave the purity of God's nourishing word, you experience the Lord as good. That's who he is to you. Your discernment is being dialed in because you know who he is, but it continues with who, knowing who you are created to be in his renewed image inside of you. The result of that will be maturity Amen. and growth. Amen. Do you want to mature? Yes. Do you want to grow? Yes. Do you want to dial in your discernment? Yes. I used to say that when you hear this garbage happening, just change the station. Uh, the problem is, is you can't find a station now. So I'm not suggesting that you burn books or even turn off uh, these broadcasts. I'm suggesting that in addition, you tune into the Father and you see the contrast. Yes. Yes. Because you don't have to get past the first chapter of the Bible to find out how demonic what we're being told is. Yes. And it's not new. It's been around a long time. I want you to consider that the gospel goes out to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. By the time you get to the book of Revelation, all of those divisions are still there. Meaning that humanity will always find ways to go, you know why your dad's favorite? It's because you've got red hair like mom. Instead of maybe your dad's favorite because you do what dad says. Yeah. Okay, this will be, be a part of humanity forever. But the picture in the book of Revelation in chapter 7 is that although they came from every kind of distinction that men could create... They were all dressed in white standing before one throne. They were all clothed in the same deeds. They were all sons of God. Old division now gone. We have a chance to model that now. In fact, when you look at our congregation, we already are. The Lord is raising us up in a way that will show the distinction of the believer. Can we go to Psalm 34? We'll be in verse 4. Look, as you're turning there. I am hearing and seeing very clearly that we are preaching to you a heavenly emancipation proclamation that the bronze altar you are experiencing that sinful nature, that slavery to it dying. And then you can experience the liberty of being in the labor and getting the renewed image of your father inside of you. Well, we're just ranting <laughs> to compare COVID deaths to the World War II uh, deaths. And do it, uh, well, listen, the World War II deaths are between 18 and 24 years old because it was America's GIs. Why don't we compare those statistics? How many 18 to 24-year-olds have died in this country from COVID as compared to any other flu season? What is happening is a demonic manipulation. It's not about a political party. It's about men with corrupt, thick layers of sinfulness around their heart yeah. and if the church will wake up if we'll circumcise our own hearts not only will you not fall prey to it you will be a beacon of light in a dark place you'll be able to look at people and say you know what you don't have to be ashamed of your skin color no matter what it is or your country of origin the one thing that causes shame is to be outside of christ yes. come yes. into christ yes. and stop trying to divide people while calling for unity See, even at the beginning of this sermon today, we began to speak about things that are current as well as scriptural. And there was a, a you guys were quiet at the beginning. You, you guys were, were really contemplating it. See, the way that this church has built such a multicultural place is we don't allow you to tell us what you are before you are in Christ. You're not a black Christian. You're a Christian. You're, you're not a, a, a Peruvian Christian. You're a Christian. You're not a Colombian we don't allow those things to become before the truth of the discernment that God has actually made you into. See, look at Psalm 34 together. Also doing that allows us to not be in bondage to an ever-changing dynamic. This week we can say yeah. this. Next week we can't say that. This week a pronoun changes. In fact, when we are actually brothers... We sound like brothers. We make fun of our Hispanic community for coming in 20 minutes late. We make fun of our Asians for being the first to get the math problem right. 
We break every stereotype and we don't care because there is an obvious affection. We are brothers. The people that have a problem with this are outside of Christ. Yes. This body, this problem doesn't exist inside of Christ. Amen. Look at Psalm 34, 4. It says, I sought the Lord. Yeah. Didn't seek someone else's advice. Didn't look to the, to the media to tell me what to think. I sought the Lord. And he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him, ooh, they are radiant. Yeah, they are. Their faces are never covered with shame. Come on, we got to take the word at its face value here, exactly yeah. what it means. When you're looking to the Lord, when you're seeking after him, you will not be put to shame. Your fears are going to be delivered. You're going to be delivered from your fears. Verse 6 says, this poor man called. <laughs> How many men have read that verse and said, this That's poor me. man? You know, to somebody else in the world, you look rich. But when you look at yourself compared to the Father... You know that you're poor in every way that matters, huh? Yeah, this is a universal truth. All over the world, no matter where you're at, reading this passage, you can say, this poor man. Yeah. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. Do you realize the Bible's not telling you that there's not troubles? We're giving you the answer how to be saved from all of your troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who actually takes refuge in him. Amen. What a beautiful passage that is reiterating exactly what we're looking at. See, we want to remind you that at the gates of praise, see, the gates of praise are the place that your desire to know the Father begins to improve your discernment. Mm. The altar allows you to compare your present image to the image of the Father, so that you can crucify or circumcise away what does not belong. The laver is the place that you dial in your discernment or you return to the image of God's design in your life. Having gotten rid of all malice, envy, deceit, hypocrisy out of your mouth, you now have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and you know what his design for you is and you're walking in it. Did you know that in Israel... You didn't get to go to the labor unless you were a priest. Did, I mean, did you realize that? The, the labor is the place that they're washed and put on their priestly vestments. It's now that sin is behind them, this is what they are as new creations. The labor is not a place where you're washing away sin. In fact, that was done at the altar. The labor is the place where you're putting on Christ and you have now become something that can walk into the holy place. Amen. Now we're not teaching on the tabernacle again. We're talking about how to dial in your discernment. Amen. When you know who the father is, then it forces you to wrestle with the difference between him and you. In that wrestling, a transformation occurs and he shows you who he says you now are. Amen. Then you don't need the media to give you some kind of designation that really you should be insulted by, just, just to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go to John 1, verse 14. <laughs> yeah. John 1, verse 14. Say dialed in when you get there. Yeah, you are. You are getting dialed in. I love it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Church, you should know in this verse, the word became flesh and made his dwelling. He tabernacled among us is what this word is referring to. See, we see the father through the son, just like Joseph introduced his father to Pharaoh, who represented the world there. See, when God comes and makes his tabernacle with us, we're able to dial in and see who he is and to learn who we are. Let's pick up in verse 15. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. When Jesus tabernacled among us, his life perfectly displayed the process that the tabernacle pattern displays. Yeah. See, Jesus enables us to know what the Father is like and us comparing ourselves with the perfect image of Jesus as the Son allows us to know what we are like. This gives us the opportunity, like the prodigal son of Luke 15, to remember and return to the Father, Amen. circumcising away our thick skin, pigsty behavior, and then putting on the robes and the signet ring of the image we were always designed to be. Again, this process is the gates of praise, the altar, the renewed image of the labor. The unfortunate thing about the story of the prodigal and the reason we didn't read Luke 15 here is that people tend to view it as a salvation experience. They forget that in the story, the prodigal was, is, and always will remain a son. They forget that. The beneficial thing about relating it to the tabernacle is that it should be viewed as a daily process. To be honest, that's how you should view the prodigal story as well. You may not have made it all the way to eating with the pigs, but you were certainly starting to think like pigs. Come on, let's turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 18 and 19. Revelation 3, 18. Say dialed in when you get there. It says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. See, much like the prodigal, we want to remind you that this is written to one of the seven churches. See, the context, this context as you read the passage, should make a huge revelation possible. This is a thriving, spirit-filled, first-century church that still needed the daily process of dialing in their discernment. Mm. A church that is listed, that Jesus is speaking to, that his presence is manifest in. And they still needed the daily process of dialing in their discernment. They had to continually know the Father. They had to continually know themselves so that they could renew, renew the deeds and the image of Christ. Mm. Did you hear that? Deeds and image. Look, knowing the Father gives you clear discernment of what you will need to have circumcised away from your sin, sinful nature there at the bronze altar. The, yeah, bron the bronze altar experience is a refinement in fire. It allows you to put salve on your eyes at the labor so that you know how to put on the deeds of Christ in the renewed image of God. Tell me that there's a day of the week that we don't need to do that. See, the truth is, is uh, the three pastors before you have in kind of like a Psalm 139 fashion. We've asked the Lord to search us daily. And the truth is, is that we have yet to find a day that we did not desperately need to go through this process. Some of us more than once in a day. <laughs> a few of us several times a day. When can you put on Christ and have put on enough? When can you have died to the sinful nature and it be fully dead? This reminded us of a Monty Python skit today, you know. I'm not dead yet. It's just a flesh wound. I keep sticking the sword in it, and it keeps coming back up. Yes. This is a constant process, and the thing is, is it dramatically affects your discernment. How angry do you have to be before it's difficult to hear from God? How much malice do you have to have before it's difficult to hear from God? How much envy does it take to cloud your judgment? How much carnal wisdom do you have to have before you no longer are thinking like Christ? Now, when you honestly assess your life, tell me that you're making it through every day in the absolute purity of Christ's thoughts. If we want to know the preciseness of God's will for our next step, 
then we're going to have to go through this kind of refining. Not once at salvation, not once at an annual dedication. You, you're going to have to work through this process repetitively. It's going to have to happen every time you identify that you had a thought or an attitude that did not derive itself from the Father, which I know is a very rare occurrence for you, right? Now, can you be honest with me? Yeah. It's not rare for us either. We know ourselves. We do. What we see very clearly is that God has laid out a pattern for us to daily, continually engage him. And working through this process, we see what the function of the bronze altar and the labor are. We have a slide. This will be familiar to some, some of you guys that we want to walk you through. So you see here, these, these, the title of it is Ephesians for Actions. At the bronze altar, there's the action of putting off the old self, but it doesn't stop there. There at the labor, the action that goes with it is to put on the new self. Below it, as it continues in Ephesians 4, there is the action of putting all falsehood, but it must go to the uh, next step of speaking the word of God. That's what's happening there at the labor. At the bronze altar, putting to death of not stealing any longer, but at the labor, seeing that you must do the work of God. And then concluding with at the bronze altar, putting to death that unwholesome talk. But at the labor, seeing that you must bless the world around you by what you say and by what you do. See, you haven't dialed in your discernment by simply stopping wicked behavior. That, that is uh, maybe click one. Click two is to put on the behavior you should have. And we're going to find out we need an awful lot more than that. You need an empowerment to do the behavior. You need an instruction in the behavior. You actually need to know that you're in partnership with God in the action that you're taking. In fact, there's a lot more to come on that. But despite the national rhetoric that, uh, to be honest, it could be easily viewed as trying to incite a war. This is the kind of war that we must wage. Amen. Knowing the Father going to war with the sinful self and winning the war at the labor for the image of God that is inside you. We want to look at a couple more passages and I'm just going to refer you to Romans 6. Paul describes this as a war being waged within his members. A war between the sinful nature and the spirit of life that sets him free. We're going to move to Ephesians, though. And in Ephesians, we're going to work our way towards a closing. And what we're asking you to do is to begin to be reflective. Stop asking yourself, did I do anything wrong today? Start asking yourself, based on the glory and goodness of the Father, what did my life look like today? Start to appreciate the differences between who he is and who you are so that there can be an enlightening as to what needs to be circumcised away. Amen. Do you know you might not even be able to define what you did wrong today? You, you might actually be working off of a knowledge of good and evil that is based on this basic world principles. Yeah, wow. For instance, every time you pass up something good that you know you're supposed to do and don't do it, that is the most vile and wicked kind of sin. But that's not how you think about sin. By knowing who the Father is, it causes an enlightenment in your heart as to what kind of behavior is and is not Him. By washing at the laver, He will put that image of who He is and made you to be on you. Those are people that can stand up and know what God's will is in any dark situation. And when they don't know... They know who they are and how to get the answer that they need, Amen. like Daniel did. Amen. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We want to show you some words in a prayer of Paul. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 17 and 18. Amen. Ephesians 1, 17 says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Amen. Goodness gracious, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Do you hear this same progression here? We want to know him better. We want to exalt him. We want to dial in knowing the Father better. What does that do? That opens the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Church, that is our prayer and that has to be your desires today is to know him better to actually want to know him better, to want to be enlightened about what has to change inside of you, what has to change in us. See, we want to be renewed in his image at the labor so that we are a priesthood fit to actually bless the world. See, this is the story of Joseph and Jacob in Goshen. This is going to be the story of our times, and this is our story today. We start off a relative stranger having heard about the goodness of God, and that is discernment. It begins, I mean, you have discernment when you start to realize how good he is. But discernment leads you into understanding how profound the difference is between the holy God and the person standing at the altar. But the third step, the one we're wanting to emphasize to you today, is when you begin to define your identity in Christ because he is growing in you and being formed in you. See, you start off a stranger on the outside. Then you move to the altar where you are a sinner. And at the laver, you become the priesthood of God. This church is becoming the priesthood of God. Now, even priests have to grow up in their salvation. Even priests have to invite the leading of the Spirit, the instruction of the Word. They have to stand in a place of partnership with God before His throne. Just saying, well, I know the Father because I'm saved, is probably self-deception. Are you increasingly knowing Him? Is the Son revealing to you Him? Are you increasingly knowing yourself when you look at those navel traits on your card are you having more and more insight into the depth of that sinful nature and how to kill it or are you still reciting the same old things that you always have americans have reduced christianity to i believe certain things christianity will never be reduced to that it's at the core daily transformation it's time to shake loose some of that dust that clouds our discernment. When we do stand to our feet, here's what you're actually looking for. You're actually saying, Lord, what things in my life are clouding my discernment because I either don't see you or myself rightly? I can list for you a hundred of them, but I think it'd be far better if the Holy Spirit was magnifying it to you. Then when you stand up from the altar, your commitment is to see it how God sees it from here on out and to never entertain that thought again. Amen. This will allow you to move forward with us in discernment. It will allow you in an increasingly dark time to have increasing clarity about who you are and what you must do. Would you please stand to your feet? Mighty God, we come before you right now. Lord, we are in desperate need of a daily process of dialing in our discernment. Lord, not only knowing you better, Lord, but beginning to know ourselves better. What must die at the altar in our hearts, Lord, in our lives, specifically as you illuminate it to us. Lord, and then let us stand and see that image, have your image renewed in us of what we must do. Lord, not only of what soon must take place in us, but what we must soon engage with in the world around us. Lord, let us rightly dial in our discernment today. Let us rightly know ourselves without falsehood, without being tainted from the sinful nature 
Lord, with that dividing wall of hostility destroyed by the blood of Jesus Christ here and now. Lord, for this group of people, Lord, that right now, Lord, that you will give us insight that we may know ourselves better, putting to death the things that must die and having your image renewed in us right now. In Jesus' name.